0: Hello! A little word of warning that this podcast contains swears and use of explicit sexual language. Therefore it is not suitable for anyone under the age of 18 or anyone who thinks the rhythm method is a jazz band. Back to the Smut Drop. This is your weekly roundup to the more eccentric side of sex and relationships from metro.co.uk. I'm Miranda Kane, and on this week's show, I'll be looking at No Nut November <laughs> and chatting about a new documentary with its creators, Abby Epstein. And Ricky Lake. And if you like what you hear, then please rate, review, or at least subscribe. And I hope you're ready because I'm about to burst the door open and sing Good Morning, Baltimore. Hello, listener. Doesn't it seem like we've got so many dating trends to keep up with these days? If it's not spring fever, then it's cuffing season. One minute we're getting ready to stop stoptober, then it's swiftly on to Movember. And this year, it seems that men are embracing no Nut no, November. <laughs> I, like you, have got many questions, so let's dive into the latest articles on the Metro to find out more. If you haven't guessed, No Nut November is apparently now an annual event that encourages men to go 30 days without ejaculating. But according to urologist Dr Reena Malik, the phenomenon of abstaining from any emissions itself is an old one. Ancient Taoist literature discussed semen retention as a way of self-control. However, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a healthy decision – uh, counselling director member Tabitha Bast, she spoke to Metro saying, we know that sex, be it on your own or solo is physically important with keeping blood flow to the genitals personally, I'm a big fan of what one of our previous guests had to say about how to get a better erection it's all in the pelvic floor you can go and take a listen back, I'm not making this up, go and listen to Dr. Peter Hobeck if you want some real advice, spoiler alert no point does he mention abstinence. It doesn't make you any tougher, bigger, stronger by keeping your semen in, I promise. Look, if you are intrigued and want to try it for yourself, then my advice is to make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Not because you believe in some toxic masculinity bullshit. Maybe use it as a way to raise money for the fight against prostate cancer, for instance. Oh, isn't that nice? Yeah, there you go. But I tell you who will have you coming overall giddy, <laughs> you're were right, it is this week's guest. Ladies and gentlemen, gays and theys, I am very pleased to welcome two very special guests to The Smut Drop this week. Together, they have made thought-provoking and eye-opening documentaries on topics surrounding birth and sex. They even won an Emmy for their last documentary, The Business of Giving Birth. Together, they're here to chat about their new documentary, The Business of Birth Control, that tells the impactful stories of women who have had a whole range of experiences on hormonal contraceptives. Like me, I'm sure that you have your own story of being on the pill, and they definitely do. It's Abby Epstein and Ricky Lake. Hello, ladies.
1: Hi. Hello, hello. It's so great to talk to you. Thank you for having us.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. Now, I feel like when it comes to saying anything about birth control, I've opened up a massive hole into the hell mouth, and we're going to get lots of <laughs> comments. So I think I just need the birth control caveat. <laughs> First, is that okay?
2: Yes, we are. We are not a religious right wingers. We're not anti birth control. We are pro reproductive rights. We're pro access, and we're pro options for all birth control with informed consent.
0: So, tell us about the film. Tell- Amen. Yeah, I love that. Tell us about the film because I saw it uh when you were showing it in London, and. It was so eye-opening and so thought-provoking. I've been telling all my friends about it because a lot of them who have got problems, uh, gynecologically speaking, everyone's been prescribed the pill or some variant of it, but it's never for things like birth control. So just explain what you're trying to do with the business of birth control.
1: So the movie is based on a book by Holly Griggs Spall, Uh, Called sweetening the pill, and so it's loosely based around that. And you know that book is really focused on her journey of her not really recognizing who she was until she went off of uh, synthetic, you know, birth control. So um, we decided to explore this this topic in the way that we did our first film, The Business of Being Born, which really looked at the birth model primarily in the United States, the medical system. And we wanted to kind of do the same thing with with the pill and pull back the veil, talk about the history of the pill the the racist piece the the very, very kind of messy way this pill was was put on the market. um it wasn't very safe. it's still in some cases not safe, but you know it's what we have and so it's really you know it does take a hard look and again, like Abby said, we are pro access. we are pro options. We want every woman to have access of with every you know, option that is available to them to control their fertility. But we want them to have access to the information and the the, the things to consider when going on these pill, these, you know, these these drugs long-term.
0: And what was the moment that inspired you? What made you think, right, this is what we're going to do for our next documentary?
1: Well, it was really Abby. (laughs) Abby was the one who read the book.
2: It was a little bit. Well, I had read the book. Holly had sent me a galley of the book and I read it on a flight from New York to LA when I was going to visit Ricky. And I just read the book on the airplane and I was having like all these epiphanies reading the book. You know, there was all this stuff about how the pill affects sexual attraction, let's say, um, partner selection. And I was reading the book and I was like, oh my God, this happened to me. This literally happened to me and nobody has ever explained this. And I've never connected that like this might have had something to do with my birth control, the way this relationship, you know, kind of went off the rails. And I think that I, I just was sort of shocked by what I didn't know. And so we knew we were gonna be like, you know, opening a sort of Pandora's box here and there would be a lot of pushback because you know, feminists really don't like to to criticize the pill. But I think that You know, at this moment, we just like I I would say from like millennials and especially Gen Z, you know, they are not interested in like putting an endocrine disruptor in their body on a daily basis, especially when people with penises are fertile 365 days a year (laughs) and people with uteruses are fertile about 24 hours a month. Um, You know, it just seems really unbalanced. And, And so I think we just wanted to like examine this, like look at this all around in a way that is just like a feminist conversation and how can we do better and where's the innovation coming and, you know, like what he was saying, how can we also just make people more aware of side effects that they're never informed about?
0: Now, you do have to tell me about the sexual attraction because <laughs> I found this such a fascinating <laughs> point of the film. Everyone in the room just went, that explains so much. It's, it's
1: a head spinner. So it changes your pheromones. Like, so they did these tests. There was a test, a T-shirt test that was done in, in, in Scotland, we think. I think... And you know it's scientific where actually when you're when you're on these drugs your you know your body isn't looking to procreate it doesn't really have it's sort of flat lines you know your system you're just offline, and so you're that that piece of you that you know it's you are attracted to someone you're you know by scent and so that 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 connection connecting of the dots is just like offline and so they say you choose a different kind of partner when you're on birth control synthetic birth control or n- versus off. And it's, you know, many, many, many anecdotal studies. And it happened to Abby, you know, Abby was putting it all together when we were making the film.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's also what I, what we found fascinating in the research is it's not just heterosexual couples, you know, like we talked to fertility doctors who let's say work with lesbian couples and they'll have to, let's say, put one partner on the pill when they're doing fertility treatments. And as soon as that one partner in the lesbian couple goes on the pill, they find they're not attracted to their partner anymore for that period, and it's very frightening. So, like, it's just, it's, you know, it's something that, no, we can't say they've done all these, like, you know, placebo-controlled, double-blind studies, but they've done enough studies, and I think we've heard enough anecdotal reports that we felt comfortable putting it in the film.
0: I think anecdotal reports is such a, a big thing here because like this is how women are talking to each other I feel like we're not able to advocate for ourselves so we're instead we're going online and we're talking to each other in Facebook groups and everything like that and and again like coming to events like yours and seeing the film that was where I thought god I speak to my friends about endometriosis and adenomyosis and you know PCOS and we've all we've all been given the pill for it but you know, we've not been given any other kind of other options. Do you know what I mean? And I just wanted to know whether you found that within your girlfriends and speaking to other women and other people that you know that have have had problems like this.
1: Yeah, I mean, that is the go-to for doctors. You know, it's like when you have this diagnosis and these symptoms, the first thing they do, the first line of attack is to put you on the pill. There's very little research done on women's reproductive, you know, stuff. They're just you know, there's not a lot. It doesn't seem to be a priority. It's unfortunate because there are things you can do. You know, there we have, you know, all the best of the best in this film talking about, you know, there experts in their field, from Elisa Vitti to I mean, there's there's so many. It's like and I think so much of it is nutrition and gut, you know, gut health. And um, you
2: know, it's about reducing inflammation. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And understanding, like we talked a bit in the Q&A, the last Q&A we had in London about endometriosis. And if you think about it, if endometriosis affects one in 10, then it's pretty much like on par with diabetes. Okay. And look how much funding and research goes to diabetes, right? It's like this global health, you know, issue that. You know, has so much research and so many nonprofits devoted to diabetes and endometriosis. Like literally, it's like like cents on the dollar compared to diabetes. It's just you know, it's just like Ricky was saying. It's just like women's health, especially women's reproductive health, is really underserved, understudied, and they've had the pill to use as this kind of band aid symptom suppressor. And that's really what it is. Right. It's not curing your PCOS. It's not curing your endo or your, you know, your your bad cycles. It's just suppressing the symptoms because you don't have a cycle when you're taking the pill
0: this took this has taken you eight years to make and you've bought it out at such a time when it's quite weirdly Sorry to interrupt you but let me just clarify because I know Abby doesn't like when we say that it took it didn't
1: yes it technically it's been eight years but we were we were making another film during the time as well so we were making two films at the same time we both have families and you know children we live on opposite coasts and So, yeah, so there's a, it it wouldn't normally have taken that long, but it did take, yes, a very long
0: time to get this thing out. (laughs) There was a pandemic in the middle. I've got shit to do. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But it's still, I mean, maybe that all happened to bring it out in 2022 when the world has gone absolutely fucking crazy. Like, it's so weirdly pertinent. What has it been like bringing it out this year? It's a nightmare. (laughs) It's been. (laughs)
1: it's been the hard it's been so hard it's so defeating because it is such a well done and important film that every woman every woman of reproductive age and even the mothers of women of reproductive age or i mean should watch this film not to scare the shit out of them but to fuck to educate them and to have them like do their own due diligence, advocate for themselves, go into their OB or their you know care provider, and know you know that, that 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 there's 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 pros and cons to all of these choices, and we want these choices to exist. We want more options. I mean, it's really pathetic that we're taking a pill that was you know developed sixty years ago, and there really has not been much invention with it.
2: And you know, it's 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 time. It's time. And I think it's also it was great for us to like. Miranda, when we, we just did, you know, we just did our our London premiere that you were at. And at the same time, we also went to Berlin for the Human Rights Film Festival. And it was so refreshing to talk about this film without kind of the Roe v. Wade issue hanging over it. Um, Like it is so refreshing to be able to talk about these issues without the political football that happens in the United States. And you know, what we've experienced in this country has been this kind of, I would say these very like nefarious pushback from people that sort of are all affiliated with pharma, with marketing, you know, mail order birth control pills, (laughs) those kind of companies, you know, and they're very threatened by this message. And so we, you've got that kind of going against us. Like it's very, very hard to talk mm. about this film on like a morning show in the United States. Like they won't play a clip because of their pharma advertisers. So the message is being suppressed horribly in the United States. And then on top of that, we had this madness with the Roe v. Wade overturn. So then it's like, you know, all mm. the feminists are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We can only talk about one thing. We cannot talk about the down- downsides of the pill right now, you know, because we need people to be on the pill. So it's su- it's really made it in a way like super complicated um, in to release the film in the U.S. But I think abroad, like internationally, yeah. we just started rolling it out. It's you know just gonna just gonna hit Amazon in the UK, and we're just we're so excited about that.
0: I think it's so important. But I'm so worried, like you said, like when people say, um, because we're feminists. I like to, you know, I'm a feminist. I'm sure you're you're both feminists. Of course. It's it's so hard to try and put anything with any kind of nuance out. So have you had any right-wingers try to weaponize it? Is there anyone taking stuff out of context?
2: You know, it's so funny because there have not been any... Right wingers trying to weaponize the movie. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that there might not be like a, a Catholic, you know, newspaper or podcast here or there that isn't like this is a great film. But if you watch the movie, the movie starts with a disclaimer about gendered language and about respecting men who menstruate. So if you're a right winger, you know what I mean. It's like you're clearly like mm, maybe this is not speaking to my audience. And then I think the film when you <clears throat> watch it it's it's so clearly pro-choice. The film is so clearly pro-choice. And Ricky Ricky speaks at every like abortion rally that there is. I mean, she's always up there front and center marching and talking about abortion rights like we are so clearly pro-choice that I think it would be very hard for, you know, any right-wingers to try to usurp, you know, this message. But that's not to say that we don't have progressive left-wing feminist media that's trying to stir that pot you know what i mean and saying like oh you put this movie out here and you're giving them an opportunity and you know we're like yeah but it's it's actually not happening what is happening is that gen z is posting every clip of this movie on tiktok that's what's happening because they are having a big big movement around a body, I think, body sovereignty. And I think body sovereignty includes the right to abortion and it includes the right to like
0: holistic and safe contraception. And I I want to talk about your friendship because you're coming up against all these different people and also there's this joy like I think at the Vagina Museum when we saw the film you two were really enjoying yourselves (laughs) and that must be so nice to be able to do this with your buddy. Like how are you two getting on? Also you might just be like arguing over the hotel bills. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Thing in my relationship, my my work wife relationship with Abby is that we don't make a salary. <laughs> I, I I don't need to make much, but I just need to make a little, and she needs to make me make a lot. She needs to make a lot. <laughs> we have been working together like for over twenty years. Like we started as the Vagina Monologues. I think we mentioned at the museum that she directed me in the in her cast of the Vagina Monologues off Broadway. And that was in like 1999. And we, I've never had a better working relationship. I am like, she is Abby. I say it all the time. She's a freaking genius. She is brilliant, a brilliant filmmaker. And she's so clever at like thinking outside of the box, but we just can't put two nickels together with these things. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing that's missing. (laughs) We need to monetize this. So that we can make more movies because we have so many more avenues we want to cross. You know, we want to do that one on menopause or on, you know, aging and plastic surgery and fertility and like all these things, you know, that that women, primarily women struggle with. We want to like cover because it's happened to us, but we can't until we have like a deal somewhere that will help us
0: producing these. I, I find it it's so, I don't know why you haven't got someone, because when you look at your track record, you've got the business of being born, you're both given birth on camera, you've got the business of birth control, <laughs> or you've got your own stories of birth control. So if you're going to do the business of anything else, like, are you gonna <laughs> are you going to be as dedicated as you have been in the last two films? Are you going to get in there under the scalpel? <laughs> I'm
1: willing to do anything. If it's something I believe in strongly, I put my name out there and I promote the shit out of it for years on end. So, um, no, but the the, the point is I have to do projects that I totally believe in. And that's what keeps me going. It's like, these are too important. You know, Mm -hmm. I know they're changing lives. I know they're impacting people, you know, and, and, and that's, that's why we do it. I mean, it, it, it feels like especially both of these films are bigger than us, you know?
2: Yeah, it's, it's actually, yeah, you're so right. We just had a meeting yesterday about the 15 year anniversary of the business of being born, which is coming up next year and organizing a big, like re-release around that movie because it's unbelievable that that movie came out 15 years ago and you still, you know, you have Gigi Hadid on the cover of Vogue talking about how she watched this documentary and then decided she wanted to have a home birth. You know, it's like, it's still the only kind of go-to documentary to like look at midwifery and birth options. So yeah, I think like Ricky said, it is a a bit like bigger than us and it, it definitely hasn't made us, um, wealthy (laughs) it's definitely been labors of love um in many ways but you know I I mean I I think that it's like we're yeah we're just feel very like drawn to do this work together and I think we've been able to like take on some pretty controversial topics and kind of like Mm. you know that are letter ahead of their time in a way like i think this film is maybe the business of birth control is a little bit ahead of its time and and that's okay like the world will catch up you know
0: but it's a very much like i always like to think um, in the brechtian like is it bertolt brecht he said that theater should seek to change the world not to show it so mm. it's it's all about changing things and changing people's attitudes and it's already gotten people talking about things and this is this isn't a film that's about um, getting Rid of Birth Control, it's a film about getting informed consent. It's about looking at what options are right. out there and, and and making sure that you know what the side effects properly mean rather than just going, well, this is my only option, so let's just do it.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly.
0: But, yeah,
2: that that's exactly right. I mean, I think, you know, look, The Business of Being Born was not a movie about home birth. Mm. To to sort of reduce that and say this is a movie that ha-. it's absolutely not. It's a it's a movie about the choices we make. You know the choices we make around certain rites of passage, and you know what culture has sort of led us to believe is normal. You know something that became very super medicalized is suddenly seen as normal. Like the whole idea of what is a normal birth changed. Right. And so I think the same thing, it's like the business of birth control. It's not necessarily, I mean, yeah, it is looking at the pharmaceutical industry and the marketing and and the business around it. But I think it's also, you know, really looking at how did we sort of come to a place where millions and millions of women or folks with uteruses are putting their entire you know, endocrine system on pause. I mean, they're they're literally, you know, taking a daily medication to either prevent contraception, you know, and it's become so normal that it's starting now with Mm 12-year-olds, with 13-year-olds, and people are staying on the pill, the patch, the ring, the shot, whatever for decades. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, people are are having children later and later and later. So it's kind of like, I think it's really looking at, is there something important about the menstrual cycle? You know, is there a sort of advantages to actually producing your own hormones and not turning your own hormonal production off and replacing it with chemical substitutes? I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of a, a, a big question to look at, like, how did we get here? Yeah. Um, and start to kind of rethink you know, other ways of achieving the goal we want. Right. Which is we don't want unwanted pregnancies, but you know, it just feels like we've gone really far down, down one alley. We've completely, you know, there's this book that came out here called ejaculate responsibly. (laughs) I love that. I love it too. I love that title. I just got my copy.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, I haven't I haven't seen it, but it definitely sounds from the title, it's definitely something that I'd be very interested in. Because a lot of us were just looking at each other going, vasectomies. <laughs> That's the answer. Everyone get a vasectomy. Exactly. <laughs> who should be looking to come to see this film? Like, is it are you looking for uh people who have Periods and don't want them? Or is it the Gen Z or is it medical practitioners? Who would you like to see this film?
1: We want everyone to see this movie. We would love for it to be taught in schools and high schools or colleges. I mean, you know, it's really about changing, rewiring people's brains around this, you know, and just wow. Like when you embrace, when you actually embrace your natural cycle, you can learn so much about yourself. You can learn so much about your health. It's called the fifth vital sign you know it's just it's it could be a really amazing experience to track your cycle for, for to control your fertility or not but to kind of know yourself and learn about how your body works and have true body autonomy and and body literacy you know it's just it's very empowering the prospect
0: and how can people find the film whereabouts will they be able to find it Every
2: Cinema did a bunch of screenings all over the UK that I think are going to be finished by the time this podcast airs. But when this podcast airs, we will be on Amazon UK and we'll also be on our website, uh, thebusinessofbirthcontrol.com. And I just also want to say that if you, we do not want there to be a barrier to access for this movie. We really, you know, somebody who can't afford to rent it on Amazon you know, we totally understand that. So we always have what we call like our free streaming windows. And we have one coming up um, November 17th. And we will be putting the movie online for free um, for three or four days. And you can just watch it. And so, you know, there's there's no reason to like not see this movie. And all you have to do is go to thebusinessofbirthcontrol.com, sign up get on our mailing list and, you know, or follow us on social media. We're at business of birth control and you'll, you'll hear about these free screenings because we do them like every other month.
0: That's great. I love the idea of being able to give it out for free. Like it makes it so much more accessible to people and so less stressful to try and find more information about what is happening with your body. Um, yes. I've just got a quick game because of what I don't want to do. I don't want you to feel like, oh, you know, every time we talk about this, it's a, it's a, we have to be activists and we have to be uh, <laughs> really sensible. So I'd like to play a really silly game. Is that okay? Just to finish off on a little bit of a laugh. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I want to know more about you two and your friendship. So we're going to do a quick most likely two game. <laughs> so I want you to say. Who is going to be okay. the most likely out <laughs> of the lot of you on these quick fire questions? Are you ready?
1: Yes, yes, I'm ready.
0: Yes. Okay, quick fire. Most likely to do a dare?
1: Probably me, I'd say.
0: Yes, you. Ricky. Ricky, answers Ricky. Most likely to be late. Oh, Abby, for sure. <laughs> most likely to get the wine out.
1: Oh, that's both of us. <laughs>
0: We're always up for that. <laughs> Who's most likely to suggest going for a wine? Abby.
1: She's just, yeah, she's more agile. She's more, yeah, she's, yeah, no, right? I don't, I'm not trying to win any world records.
0: (laughs) Most likely to break a world record? Hmm,
1: I don't know. What do you think, Abby? I don't, neither of us. Yeah, rapid fire. We, neither, that's neither of us.
0: (laughs) Most likely to call in sick? (laughs)
2: Yeah, neither. We'll complain. We'll complain, but we won't call in.
0: (laughs) Guys, it took you eight years to make a film. Come on. One of you's calling in, (laughs) (laughs) dick. Most likely to keep a secret.
1: Me. Oh, Abby. Abby. Oh, my God. Abby. Abby. (laughs) Yeah. Ricky. I'm not a good secret. No, 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 (laughs) no. I, God, God doesn't give you everything.
0: <laughs> Most likely to put on the naughty table at weddings? Oh, me. Both of us will be dancing on the tables. We've done that many times. <laughs> First person to sign up for karaoke? Oh, I me. Ricky. Me. Yeah, Abby, question for Abby then. What's Ricky's song?
2: Oh, there's a bunch of them. You want to do musical theatre? It would be... Suddenly Seymour from Little Shop of Horrors. And then what did you sing? What did you sing the other night at the pub when we were with your friends? You broke into a, a
0: song. I did.
2: I don't, I don't remember, but usually Delta Dawn is a
1: good one. Oh, yeah. Or Different Drum by Linda Ronstadt is like my go-to. You and I travel to the beat of a different drum. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, I kill that one.
0: So good. Well done. Well done. Finally, who is the worst person in a WhatsApp group and why?
1: I have no idea. I don't know how to answer that. I I I don't know. I'm I, I don't like the the social media thing. I have such a love hate thing. Ricky wouldn't. She wouldn't mute it. I I mute, I mute. Yes. I mute yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely I don't like to engage. No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's good. I think I think muting is much better than being the person who keeps on putting the big blue thumbs up. So you're onto a winner there. Well done. Well done. <laughs> I've learned a lot, which is mainly that I think it will be really cracking to go to the pub with you both. Well done, ladies.
1: We're a good time. We're definitely a good time.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. If people want to find out more information, what's the website? It's called the Business of birthcontrol.com brilliant thank you so much abby and ricky lake yay thank you thank you guys thank you for having me miranda my thanks to abby epstein and the ricky lake what an icon so delighted to have spoken to them about such an important topic and I really do just want to settle everyone's minds. I've had my own problems with the pill where like I have broken bones because I've been on it for so long. It's, it's not about whether the pill should exist or not. It's about what alternatives are out there. If you've got cramps, endometriosis, endometriosis, PCOS, like, come on, we should be given options and we should be given a bit more information that's what this is about it's about looking into the nuance and I'm really pleased that we've got people out there making documentaries like this and being brave and being controversial that's kind of the things that makes the world turn if you want to find out more as I said have a look at the business of birth control coming to Amazon near you (laughs) all right let's go dive into my fun bag It's my favourite time of the podcast. Oh, yes. And in honour of being able to interview a personal icon, I went searching in the Fun Bag archives for scandalous tales of celebrity encounters. <laughs> Did you date a D-lister? Get ghosted by a ghostbuster? Have a hoedown in Hollywood? Let's find out. And obviously all names have been protected because legal told me to. Uh, So Kellogg's 81 on Twitter, they say that pre-pandemic, I was a bit of a regular at a well-known London sex party. Mm. (laughs) I can't possibly say who I've had the pleasure of meeting there, but I can definitely tell you I enjoyed taking a holiday on their love stick island. (laughs) Their love stick island. Oh, my God. Were you drinking? Were you drinking when you wrote that? Because that is exactly the kind of punnery I would be making on half a bottle of Princess Petrol. Miss P, she's emailed and she says, I know you speak to a lot of sex workers and I'd love to know if they've had the same experience as me with... Insert name of famous footballer here. And yes, I did have to Google. Yes. He arranged for a car to pick me up to go to his hotel. Security was stood outside and he said he would send them out to get the cash because obviously he couldn't go to the cash machine to get him himself. But for my patients, he would pay twice my hourly rate. Alarm bells. Mm -mm Oh, no, always get the money first. Uh, but she goes on to say, we have a perfectly pleasant time together. <laughs> that is diplomatic, isn't it? <laughs> but when it comes to my time to leave, he doesn't mention anything about the money. In fact, he starts acting very shiftily. And eventually, I have to tell him that I'm going to call the police unless he gives me the money there and then. Cue, but what you do is illegal. And me, like the badass, empowered bitch that I am, knowing my rights, but also... Maybe bluffing a bit. Turns out that he's got more than enough in his wallet to cover both my time and my expenses. He was just being cheap. (gasps) Anyway, love the podcast. And remember, always get the money first. Yes, Miss P, yes. (laughs) Now, I know what you're wondering. Do I have any celebrity tales myself? Yes. Yes, I do. But you'll have to wait for the memoir. Or just... (laughs) Or just buy me a drink. (laughs) Okay, if you've got any sexy stories, saucy encounters, and if you want to be a guest, maybe chat about your own sexpert topic, get in touch. Do you command a kink? Have a favourite fetish? We want to hear from makers, shakers and practitioners. You can slide into my DMs. Just look out for Miranda Kane on Twitter, TikTok and Instagram or email smutdrop at metro.co.uk. I've been Miranda Kane. Smut Drop was produced by Pineapple Audio Production for Metro.co.uk. If you're enjoying this weekly stroke of meaty audio shaft, please leave me a nice review. It really, honestly, guys, it really helps to boost the podcast. In the meantime, I'm going to be back to prick up your ears next week. And remember, don't do anything I wouldn't do. But if you do, name it after me.